0: So look, anybody who looks at my Instagram feed will know that I pretty much spend most of my time on ferries in Sydney yeah. Harbour. Yeah, right. all the pics. That's all the pics, include other than the putting pictures. Mm. Anyway, one day I was on the ferry with my then teenage son. He was we, we were both coming home from his high school in the city, and lo and behold, but who gets on board the ferry but Malcolm Turnbull? Oh wow! Prime Minister at the time, Malcolm Shocking. Turnbull. So he, he, he lives just around the corner from yep. Rose Bay Ferry Wharf, so he was catching the ferry home. Now, I'm standing there with my son, wearing his school blazer with his braids for all of his work in drama, mm. and I just sort of turned around to him at one point and went, all right, mate, that's the Prime Minister. And he went, yeah. And I went, spot his protection detail. And he went, oh, there's one there, and that's probably one there, and he could be one. And then I went, all right, now, considering they're the ones you spotted, how would you get to him? And we heard a voice behind us going, we're right here, mate, shut up. No way. Yeah, it was one of the protective (laughs) guys. And I was just like, mate, just a thought exercise for my son as to spotting these guys. And then one guy literally stood up right in front of the Prime Minister and went, you've got to get through me and you didn't pick me to start with. He had what would be classically Mm. known as a five-man PPE. Okay. so Or or PET, protective, uh, you know, these guys were there to make sure he was safe. So I thought, considering that there are so many Peel the idiots at mm. the moment, screaming about we've got to kill all these politicians. Maybe we should talk about how we protect our politicians.
1: Let's do it. You're listening to I Spy, the personal protection detail of Australian intelligence.
0: Shots fired! Coming from the left! Everyone run! Oh, sorry, where's... sorry, oh. Prime say you come with us. Oh, where's my shoe? I lost
1: my I lost my shoe. Hello and welcome to I Spied. my My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And we're going to talk about how we protect our politicians. And this came up recently because the Australian Federal Police had to step in. They've been forced to mobilise against some specific threats that were made mm-hmm. to politicians over the weekend. Now, this is also off the back of, you know, a British MP being murdered recently as well. So, you know, everyone's kind of being hyper vigilant around politicians and especially with, like, the mobilisation of people who are blaming politicians for the current state of the world.
0: Now, the interesting thing, and you mentioned the British politician, not every politician gets personal protection. Yeah, Um, that's interesting, right? It's very simple. Personal protection is really expensive because yeah, it's very man-intensive and man-hour intensive, mm. right? So, I mean, Malcolm Turnbull on the ferry, he's the Prime Minister. He is literally walking amongst the people. That is a specific threat. They yeah. have to protect him. And he walked home from the ferry. He walked around Rose Bay to Darling Point or wherever it is he lives. Because he's Point the man Piper. of the people. Because he's a man of the people. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you drive around Wentworth and you'd see yeah. him and Lucy going for a walk every day. To their so mansion
1: because the ho- they're they're all of the they're people.
0: Of the people, <laughs> Uh, for the people, of the people living in a freaking big house, yeah, yeah, all right? Yeah. So, look, the thing is we look after our VIPs, but just because you're a parliamentarian doesn't make you a VIP. Yeah. Now, what's going on at the moment? this is causing a lot of headaches for, say, the AFP. I mean, interestingly enough, on Twitter, after all of these threats started coming out against Dan Andrews and McGowan and Palaszczuk, when these people started making threats on their lives, hmm. the first thing you saw in the Twitter sphere is, why aren't the police and ASIO doing anything about this? Oh, my God, they're so hopeless. They're not arresting these people. Well, funnily enough, about a week and a half, two weeks later, arrests started being made. Yeah. Why? Because ASIO and the police were paying attention. They just don't go, well, Let's arrest everyone. They work out where the threat really comes from, and they take that threat out via arrest, using the law. Yeah. So, right, the great example is Imre Pileva. He tweeted. He's Well, he didn't tweet. He sent it out as a text on what is regarded as a social media platform. Someone needs to shoot Mr. Dan Fuck in the head with a 50-cal explosive tip just to make sure he's gone for life. Are we allowed to take firearms to the protest? Okay. It's that's, crazy. Well, that's just a threat, okay? The guys made a stupid thing online. The other problem he had, and this is what they picked him up for, it wasn't him going, can we take guns? Which is just yep. like, no, don't be a dickhead. The thing that was really important was he was also inciting people to make explosive. He was teaching people yes. how to make Molotov cocktails online. Like, it's that hard to make a Molotov cocktail. So that's what got him pinged. And another one was Kenneth Pantev, who's a, a renowned neo-Nazi in Melbourne. Mm. He was busted for sharing instructions of how to 3D print an automatic rifle online. So these guys are making plausible threats. Now, the AFP and ASIO would have looked at that and gone, "Uh, no, we've got to stop these guys right now. Now, on the flip of it, you've got someone like Kate Callan. no relation. I swear to God, <laughs> okay. I've looked at the photos and yep. gone, "No, you're not a member of my family." Now she was, she's from Reignite Democracy. She's walking around with photographs of noose go, nooses going, "This one's for you, Dan Andrews." Yeah, that's not a really palpable threat, right? So, interestingly enough, it probably irritates her no end that ASIO and the AFP would have gone, yeah, no, you're a twit, whereas the real threats do get addressed.
1: Yeah, so what I was going to say, like, it's just interesting because, like, threats against politicians aren't new, but it does seem to be something that has kind of been exacerbated by the current climate. Like, more people are more vocal about what they want to do to politicians, and they're not afraid of repercussions which no, is what no, which is what i am finding quite unusual to get my head around
0: and that's a really important point. It's it, like COVID has literally metastasized this frustration yes. with politicians. And now people are, are a lot more willing to express their violent desire to change yeah. the regime, which, again, leads to a lot of threats. Now, that means we have to protect the politicians. I mean, somebody releasing, like, what was it, um, Malcolm Roberts releasing Jackie Lambie's telephone number on the floor yeah, of the Senate. No right? right. She was, I now mean, interestingly enough, someone said, but she put it on her Facebook page. Well, yeah, you've got to put your phone number on a Facebook page, I think, for validation. That doesn't mean she wants people to call it, and it gets buried. You've got to look
1: for yeah. it. Yeah. You don't, you don't need the opposition or someone who opposes you to weaponize that, which is essentially no. what they've done. And that makes people feel very unsafe. And we also have with the WA Premier. He's had threats to him and his family. Which his address even, has been released. Yes, right. and he's even talking about moving because mm-hmm. of it.
0: And the same thing with Dan Andrews. I mean, Dan Andrews did the right thing. He just stood up and went, okay, guys, you can do this. I'm not going to stop doing my job. Yeah. But you can be assured that there will be at least a copper, there will be a constable sitting in a car outside those houses now. right Now, that is the very, very basic protection that you'll get. You'll have a copper sitting outside a house. Yep. But if you're talking about people like the Prime Minister, the Deputy Prime Minister, the God knows he doesn't need protecting because he scares the hell out of me. He's nuts. Mm. But the US President's a great example. They have it's VIP protection work, it's called. Now in Australia it's the AFP. Yeah. And then of course it breaks down into the States. So in Victoria they have the protective services. Now they look after things like government buildings and schools and you know, they're the guys that are sitting at the desk in front of the government building. I mean, they weren't the same guys that we had at ASIO. That's a completely different story. I've got a great story about the guards at ASIO. But the whole thing is a VIP protection organization or group is there to mitigate the risk to the security and the dignity of the principal. Now, the principal is the person you're protecting. So essentially, you're there to preserve that guy's life and to make sure he's not embarrassed now that may sound kind of like really is it that important but it is there's a a really interesting video and i'll post it online of um vladimir putin with his protective detail, and it's a great example of how a protective detail swings into action he's at volkswagen in germany he's standing there with angela merkel and the next thing two girls without their tops on and you're a rapist and a murderer written all over their bodies run across the floor and screaming and waving their arms immediately these guys are get between mm. Putin and these women. Now, what was really interesting is Putin's literally standing there watching them run up going, come on, bring it, baby. It sounds great. Yeah. But he was literally pushed out of the way. And one of the interesting things when you interviews with Putin's protection detail, they love him. They, think, they they say of all the people they've ever protected, he's the easiest because he's ex-security. So whenever something goes wrong- So
1: he knows what he's doing. He,
0: no, he does what they tell him. Yep. He doesn't turn around and go, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. It's fine. Yep. But like If they go get under that car and stay there, he gets under the car and stays there. Yep. right. He doesn't muck around. So this is the thing. And it works in three phases. You've got close protection, then you've got mobile and static. Now, close protection is obviously you've got guys on your body as you're walking- and it's a very simple technique to work. You have about you have one person, he's the PPO, the personal protection officer. Right. He will generally stand behind your right shoulder, literally within a foot of you as you walk along. They don't stand in front of you because you want to be open to the people. And then you'll have four guys called the PET or the personal escort team that stand at the corners of a box around you. So you're nice and open. Now, there are ways of changing that. You can turn it into a diamond shape, though they don't like doing a diamond because it's aggressive. And then, of course, (laughs) you've got what's known as the V, where you've got an inverted V, where you've got three guys in front, three guys behind. uh, And one of those guys is your personal protection officer, right? So these guys protect you, and their job is to get you out of there if something goes wrong. So when you watch Olympus Has Fallen or yeah. any of those those great films with that incredibly action star, I can't remember his name, Gerard Butler. That's the one. Uh, of course, you'd remember Gerard Butler because.
1: Well, I mean, what's yeah. there not to remember? <laughs>
0: yeah, what's there not to like? I suppose. Now the thing is, he's always like, "I'm going to go and stop these guys and shut it all down." That is not his job. A personal protection officer is not there to stop. The, they're there to stop the threat. Protect. Uh, Protect the guy and get the principal out of there. That is his number one job. They're not there to investigate what's going on. They're not there to take the threat down and keep fighting until the threat's gone. They're there to remove the principal from the threat. That's all they have to do. Uh, Now, interestingly enough, when a VIP travels overseas, so say Scott Morrison travels overseas, Mm -hmm. he will take his own personal protection with him. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Of course, because they know him and they know how he moves and what he likes. But beyond that little inner circle, that inner core of protective officers, there will be the external protection, which will be the nation's, the nation state, the host state will be looking after that. It's their job to take out the threat. Now, of course, they can come to a point where... I mean, it's just us and them. Yeah. Well, if it gets to that point, you have massively fucked up your job, mm. right? And also the exterior ring, because there will then be an exterior cordon. They've also fucked up their job as well. If it gets to the point where someone has gotten to your principal, you have made a huge mistake. And this has happened. This is the the classic example was um, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. If you want details on this, listen to the podcast. Uh, one of our and a member of our stable, Heroes and Howlers, Mike. Robbins. Absolutely Mm. brilliant. But essentially, Abraham Lincoln had to hire his own bodyguard. It wasn't provided by the government. And then the guy they got had been fired from the police because he was a drunk. Great. (laughs) And at the time, while he was sitting in Ford's theatre enjoying the play, his bodyguard at the interval went, oh, I might sneak next door for a cheeky beer was actually drinking at the bar with John Wilkes Booth. And then John Wilkes Booth went into the theatre and the guy was still in the bar drinking. The bodyguard was in the bar drinking when Booth walked into the the box and shot Lincoln in the back of the head twice. So that is a massive... And that actually changed the way Americans do personal security. They now have a department. The Secret Service looks after two things. The security of VIPs and forgery. So,
1: what we're, do- what we're seeing now is a surge in activity from extreme right groups. We've seen yeah. it um, recently. We've seen it overseas as well. And a lot of the, I mean, we even hear that there's groups engaging in like some like kind of training camps in rural areas because, you know, they're preparing for a race or an ideological war. And I think we're seeing that play out. A lot of these groups are hijacking, you know, that we saw them hijack the trade union protest in yep. Melbourne for their own kind of ideological. Rhetoric. So we're seeing this happen and we're seeing this play out. I would suggest or think that it's not long until something goes awry.
0: Look, uh, I think it was the Home Affairs Minister, Was that Karen Andrews? I yeah, think Karen Andrews. She actually stood there and said essentially yep. the risk of a terrorism incident happening in Australia literally has not dropped below plausible since 2014. Yes, and, I think- and the,
1: it's prompted them to you know, list the base and Hezbollah as terrorist groups now. So, you, well, you know, you, it's illegal for you to be part of them.
0: Hezbollah has always been a terrorist group, the terrorist side of Hezbollah. But Hezbollah is now also a political movement, so it's very much like the Sinn Fein. No, but they've made the it. They've
1: made it illegal. They've, yes. ma- they've added to the list of terrorist organisations. Exactly. So it's a criminal offence to be a member in yep. Australia.
0: They've, they've included the political arm of Hezbollah into yep. the terrorist organisation, which is fine because much like the Sinn Fein did with the IRA back during yep. the Troubles, yep. they were funding the IRA the same way Hezbollah political will be funding Hezbollah, Hezbollah terrorism. They're Therefore, they're enmeshed with the terrorist organization. Therefore, they're a terrorist group.
1: And, what, and with the base, you know, they're, they're kind of like this violent, racist, neo-Nazi organization. And what I find quite interesting is we're moving away from the ISIS and ISIL and and that kind of stuff more mm. into like this kind of right wing neo-Nazi Faction, so to speak, well, that is is what we really need to be afraid of right now.
0: And what's curious about that, as you said, they're, they're hijacking other movements, right? Yes, so they've, yes. they've hijacked the anti-vax movement. They hijacked the builders, essentially, in yeah. Melbourne for their yep. protest. They've hijacked all of these movements, which is very much what the extreme left used to do. So yep. the international socialists, anarchist groups, interestingly enough, I was just reading an article where interna- it was an international social- socialist or worker socialist website were basically saying, oh oh, yeah, the police are really thrilled with these demonstrations because they get to show all their new toys and guns and stuff like that. And it's like, well, they're they're cops. And there is civil unrest, therefore they need to be on the street to do this. Now, I mean, the thing is, this isn't just Australia. It's happening like... uh It's
1: happening everywhere, the UK, the US...
0: In Rotterdam, they were burning cars, Mm. which is very interesting because one of these guys, one of the people that have been arrested has said, you know, we need to start burning police cars to get noticed. It's like, guy, just walking down the street with a noose on a stick got you noticed. You don't need to burn the place down. But, I mean, as the Prime Minister said, there are a lot of people out there that are frustrated. There are also a lot of people out there that are using that frustration as a means to their own ends. 100%. Because... You know, the guy and the you know the husband and wife who are pushing the pram with the baby in it, that just, you know, we'd much rather just eat uh, garlic and echinacea and let that be our treatment for COVID and why can't we just do that and can we, like, walk down the street. They don't want to be associated with the Molotov cocktail-throwing, Barret 50 cal, sniper rifle-bearing idiots no. that yeah. are taking over these movements. The other really scary thing about this is there are a lot of low-level politicians... That are using this.
1: They are. They're using, they're beefing up their rhetoric to kind of fire up this base, which is kind of similar to what Trump did, hence the whole, you know, January 6th kind of what happened there at the Capitol. So they're really, and they're playing a dangerous game, I
0: think. Look, it's really dangerous because, one, as soon as somebody gets hurt and it, you know, at the rate it's going, it's really, really likely. That is why. Karen Andrews stood there and went. The risk of terrorism in Australia has not dropped since 2014. Yes. But I
1: think I think what people need to get their heads around, and I, and I think the average person they might find this quite difficult, is they have to shift that idea of a terrorist looks like a person of colour or who's Arabic or, you know, belongs to ISIS and wears a hijab and all that. A terrorist is actually probably your neighbour or, like, someone that you know. And and that's what's going to be hard, harder to, I think, you know, get on top of this because white people stick together with other white people.
0: He was a quiet guy who uh, kept much to himself. It's so easy to to,
1: like be angry or um, be afraid of someone who doesn't look like you.
0: Yeah, essentially, it's the, the whole idea of the other, right? Yes, I mean, the other.
1: And Australia is built on this whole concept of the other.
0: Which is, uh, well, I mean, pretty much most nationalist movements or national- yeah. nationalistic pride is built on the other, built yes. on your exceptionalism. We had
1: it with the Japanese. We had it with the We're Greeks. We're going back to China. Yeah.
0: The Red Menace <laughs> is coming again, right? Yeah. right? The other is a really, and interestingly enough, if you look at our fiction, there was there's been this raft of zombie stuff mm. because it immediately dehumanizes the other. They're yeah. just these these mindless zombies that are coming to kill us, right? So insert that, you know, insert Nazi, insert communist, insert, you know, whatever you want, terrorists. They, they're just mindless people that we don't care about and we're going yep. to destroy. The thing that's really, really telling about all of this with this political opportunism going is essentially what people don't understand is as soon as somebody gets hurt, as yep. soon as some politician's child gets hit by a car because somebody's decided I'm going to drive my car at them as they're crossing the road to go to school, yeah. or somebody firebombs somebody's house, or something, you watch every politician that's been going, you should take your freedoms back, you yeah. watch them backpedal like crazy. Because they are duplicitous in, in this occurring.
1: Yeah. And, and what's what's incredibly frightening is people, well, so these politicians, these low-level politicians who kind of like beef up this rhetoric, yep. they have the most impressions on Facebook. They're the ones that have the most engagement on Facebook. Exactly. So and they're, they're the ones that are actually um, spreading this kind of like sowing the seeds of what potentially could be catastrophic.
0: Yeah. And now the interesting thing about that is everyone says, you know, we have freedom of expression I should be able oh, to express myself yeah. Yeah, freedom should. of expression is good but interestingly enough if somebody turned around and started saying you know well somebody should take Craig Kelly and you know, string him up on a fence and hurl acid at him I'm pretty sure that Craig Kelly would take umbrage to that now yeah. this is the thing the, the, it's, it's that whole idea of I'm allowed to threaten because I'm, I'm expressing my freedom uh, and my, my opinion but you can't express your opinion if it offends me and I mean this is the dichotomy we live in and what people don't understand is how very, very quickly a situation like this can escalate mm. out of control. And the best example of this is the what we like to call the lobby restaurant incident. Do you remember it?
1: Uh, run me through it again.
0: One Australia day when Julia Gillard was Prime Minister they mm. were having an awards ceremony for volunteers, for people that had been volunteering in the Australian community, they were giving out awards yep. at the lobby restaurant in Canberra which is just down next to the Old Parliament House and quite close to the Aboriginal Tent Embassy. Now right. earlier that morning Morning, Tony Abbott had turned around to the media and said, "Well, I think it's time we got rid of the tent embassy. It's useless and does nothing anyway." Well, that's quite yes. inflammatory, particularly on Australia Day. Now, the thing is, Tony Abbott was attending the awards ceremony with Julia Gillard, and then one of Julia Gillard's staffers just sent a text message saying to somebody that was attending a protest at the tent embassy that, "Oh, by the way, Tony Abbott's over here at uh, the lobby restaurant. If you guys, you guys are interested." The next thing, the lobby restaurant is surrounded with people pounding on the windows. Now, of course, Gillard's personal protection team turned around and went, we need to get you out of here now. Now, Mm -hmm. personally, what I don't understand is because at one point in this footage of it, Tony Abbott walked up and said, is there anything I can do? And if I was Julia Gillard, I would have turned around and said, you can go outside and tell those people what you meant would he no but she at least could have done that but she did what she was told to do by her protection team and they left in an absolute freaking debacle there were yep. police with riot shields she lost a shoe i mean she Yeah she's I, all
1: there. i remember from that whole experience was that she lost her shoe <laughs> she lost a
0: shoe but the thing is she's got her her body man all right so her, her ppo has got her hand, his arm over her her head tucked into his chest yep. and he's running her to the car so i'm sorry She suffered great embarrassment because of that. And, of course, in the background, there's Tony Abbott also being let out by the protection team, laughing his head off, thinking it's a great joke. This is because one – and now it went back, interestingly enough, the staffer quit that day. He he said, "I've made a mistake. It was stupid of me to let this person know because he let yep. one person know, and they let other people know, and then it spiraled out of control." Yeah, he quit. The AFP investigated it and turned around and said he was a media advisor. He was contacting someone in the media. There was nothing. There was nothing wrong. He did. The problem was it escalated out of control once that information passed through the crowd.
1: Which shows like how quickly like things can escalate. All it takes is just you know, kind of yeah. a, a tweet or um, something innocuous, yep. a text, and then all of a sudden it can really get out of hand and now we've got like the AFP working with local police now working with ASIO to kind of come up with this plan to go hang on a minute this is now getting getting out of control and we need to work out what we've got to do about it.
0: I mean, you look at the Parliament House now has a fence around it, which Mm. annoys me so much because I used to rollerblade down it.
1: (laughs) How many people (laughs) can say... You rollerblading with a bum bag, for uh, sure Yeah, I did.
0: I did. Nearly killed myself um, (laughs) when I landed in the middle of the United Kingdom High Commission's lawn. Thank God it was freshly sown or I would have been in really big trouble. (laughs) But essentially we used to rollerblade down uh, Parliament Mm. House and it was fun. Now you can't even go up there to look down the skyline into the Senate and House of Representatives chamber. This is because people get out of control and do stupid stuff. Now, the one thing, and this is my big takeaway from this, is do you really want to know how expensive this is? Because Yeah, it's got to be really expensive. It's exceptionally expensive. It's vehicles, it's man hours, it's planning. So... For the Prime Minister to visit somewhere, in Australia it's not so bad, but for him to visit overseas, that means you have to send a forward team that yep. investigate everywhere he's going to do, do a threat assessment on everything that's going on in the country and every location he's going to do, create a plan, create an exit strategy, create escape routes, set up safe house. It's like, it's a, a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And then if you look at the Americans, uh, do you remember, I think it was Mike Pence came to Australia for like two days. Yeah. They shut down traffic in Sydney so he could get in the beast, that bloody big car, the limo they have, to drive to Kirribilli and then back to the airport. They shut the city down. Yeah, I remember that. Rather than deal with traffic.
1: That's a a very American thing to do, though. Yeah. (laughs) It's like Moses, let's part the sea, let us through.
0: (laughs) When George W. Bush visited Canberra, they had F-18s on station for the entire time he was in the city. And the other thing was he stayed in the U.S. Embassy, in the ambassador's residence, because Mm. that was, to the Americans, the the safest safest spot in the country. This is what it takes. It takes a lot of money and a lot of manpower to do this. Now, if you've got idiots walking down the street waving nooses, you're idiots. I'm sorry you're being stupid. But if you've got people that are saying, by the way, guys, here's how you 3D print an automatic weapon. it's crazy. Now you've got some trouble.
1: Yeah, and I, I think what we're going to see is some escalation and some arrests. I mean, just just recently, uh, we had a man in Tamworth in. Inland New South Wales being mm. arrested for threatening as well, making threats over social media. Yeah. So I think more arrests are gonna start being made and examples of people are gonna have to happen. But I think the real kind of the real kind of scare for me is the fact that we do have extremist, far right neo Nazi groups who are actually in training camps in the middle of Australia and we know that this is going on and they're ready, they're arming themselves for what they think is the next big race war.
0: Now, funnily enough, training camps out in the bush that actually isn't an unheard of thing because no. the Ustashi did it back in the 70s. Yes, exactly. Um, terrorist organisations were doing it in the 80s, 90s. So Middle Eastern terrorist groups were doing it as well.
1: We've got a big country. You cannot, there's a lot of places you can hide. A lot of places <laughs> you can
0: hide. And, you know, particularly if you go out sort of out in western New South Wales, there's a lot of desert. You're not going to hit anything. Literally, you'd be hard pressed to hit a kangaroo yep. or a tree. The problem being is We've got to be country and there's a lot of places you can hide these guys. Yeah, exactly. Thankfully most of them stay close to where they can get stuff, which keeps them close. But you know, and you the the classic was farmers hearing gunshots. It's like if you hear a guy taking a pot shot at a rabbit, yeah, that's fine. But when you hear automatic weapons fire, yeah, yeah someone's gonna ring the cops.
1: Yeah, someone might. And also, you know what? The another saving grace is technically these people aren't usually the brightest.
0: Well, yeah, well, usually it's as it stands. The foot soldiers aren't the brightest. You know, you don't want to send yeah. your, your bravest and your best uh, no. in a harm's way. <laughs> no. But my God, the guys that are organizing it, uh, they really know what they're doing. And unfortunately, I think they're dealing with a little bit of fire and it's going to come back at them and back at them hard. Because under the ASIO Act, the promotion of communal violence is regarded as a threat to security. And as such, you are in our frame.
1: And what kind of frame would that be? Like, what what are we talking about? Like, some serious jail time?
0: Well, no, for ASIO won't won jail you, but ASIO would certainly be looking at these right-wing groups right now. Yep. They've already said over 50% of their investigations into terrorism now are to, directed towards the right-wing. That's yep. really, really bad. That's really, really... It used to be and 50% of ASIO's targeting budget was towards the Soviet Union. Now it's towards right-wing groups. That's and, bad. And
1: this And this is a thing that I think... Australians in particular need to start getting their head around yeah. that someone who you may live next to, who you think is just your average white person, yep. <laughs> could actually be a far right extremist.
0: Oh, yeah. They, they, they literally, you could be living next door to one right now. I know I'm not because I don't have anyone living next door to me. They all live above me. Yeah. <laughs>